But growing up, I loved reading uh, the Peanuts comic strips. I've used the Peanut comic strips several times in my messages. And as kids, we always look forward to seeing them on TV at Halloween, the great pumpkin patch, and Thanksgiving, and at Christmas time, the shows on TV. We always, and we really hated it when we missed those, but you know, we watched them all the time. And so, who does, who doesn't remember Linus sharing from Luke chapter 2? You know, and about the birth of Jesus and explaining the true meaning of Christmas on national television of all places. How awesome is that? And, and it's still, it's still being shown on TV. You know, on one of the comic strip conversations Charlie Brown had with Linus, I thought it was pretty funny, and I might have shared this one with you before, but I'm going to share it again. They're leaning on the top of a brick wall, having one of those thoughtful conversations between Charlie Brown and Linus, okay? So this this in-depth conversation here, you know, and I think it went something like this. He says, Charlie Brown says, do you ever think much about the future, asked Charlie Brown, Well, Linus responds, oh, yes, Charlie, I I think about it all the time. So Charlie Brown asks, well, what what do you think you would like to be when you grow up? And I love Linus' response. I think it is a great answer. This is what he said. Does anybody know? He said, I want to be outrageously happy. (laughs) I love that. I love that. What a great answer. What a great answer. I, th- I thought that was so, so, so true. I think Linus's answer to Charlie Brown's question sums up, I think, what is the desire of every single human being for, for what person doesn't want to be happy, you know, just to be happy. You know, nobody really wants to be unhappy. Nobody really wants to be sad. Nobody really wants to be miserable. Nobody really wants to be depressed. We all want to be happy. And for what Ryan was saying last week, the truth be told, I think we would all like to be outrageously happy. Amen? I think we would. Unfortunately, though, the world doesn't really know how to be happy sometimes. All you got to do is just watch them. You know, this this world is, is filled with a bunch of miserable, unhappy, discontented people that don't mind telling you about it and don't mind blaming you for it. That is the truth. And, and, and be that it may, I would like all miserable people everywhere to know that you too don't have to be miserable. You can be happy. Do we have any of those in here today? <laughs> No one's going to admit it anyway. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's important to know that not everybody knows that, though. Not everybody knows that they can be happy. You know, some people think, you know, it is impossible for them to be happy. But even in light of the bad things that happen to us, you know, there is a God in heaven who can overcome those things and bring true and lasting happiness to our lives. You know, one preacher made a statement that I totally agree with. He said this, he said, there are some Christians who have misconceptions about happiness. 
he goes on to say, one day this guy put one of those misconceptions on me and he stated this. He said, God never promised us happiness. He promised us joy, but he never promised us happiness. Now, when you first hear a statement like that, that almost sounds profound. You, you might even be saying like, hmm, wow, what a profound statement. However, that statement is simply not true. It's not a true statement. You know, it is, it is a hasty statement made by someone who is ignorant about what the Bible has to say about the subject of happiness. And so this preacher went on to say, I told this guy as much, just that, and proceeded to show him why he was wrong. In fact, you know, the, the fact is, is that, that God does promise us happiness. But like so many of God's promises, you got to remember this. God's promises oftentimes come with a conditional promise. It is a conditional thing. Do you ever remember singing the song in Sunday school or at VBS called Happiness is the Lord? Anybody remember that song? How many of you sing that? It says happiness is to know the Savior living a life within his favor, changing, having a change in my behavior. Happiness is the Lord. You remember singing that song? He goes on to say, happiness is to be forgiven, living a life that's worth the living, taking a trip that leads to heaven. Happiness is the Lord. And then he goes on to say in this song here, real joy is mine no matter if the teardrops start. I figured I would read this instead of singing it to you. I want to I spare your ears here. I found the secret. It's Jesus in my heart. And then he goes on to say, happiness is to be forgiven, living a life that's worth the living, taking a trip that leads to heaven. Happiness is the Lord. Yes. Happiness is the Lord. Yes, happiness is the Lord. You know, true happiness is found in our relationship with Jesus Christ. That's where it's all about. So the question that I have for you today is this. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? What brings a smile to your face and a joy in your heart? What is it? You know, some of you might think it might be money. If I just had more money, I'd be more happier. If I had a little bit more power, maybe at work, where I could squash some of those people that I really need, that really need to be squashed. Or maybe it's that if I was famous, I would be more happy. You know, we may fantasize about going on a tropical vacation, buying a luxurious car, or winning the lottery. How about it, folks? Did you see that someone won that $1.337 billion ticket in Illinois the other day? It was just a week or two ago. That means that they're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood after taxes about $600 million. $600 million. I feel sorry for them. Did you know that most of those people end up in... Um, I mean, a lot of them die. You know, a lot of them are killed. A lot of them, you know, uh, they just end up absolutely miserable because of all that money. But according to a new survey, we don't actually need any of the fancy stuff, well, maybe except a new gun, to find happiness. (laughs) 
I mean, come on, right, Chet? I mean, everybody needs a new gun. <laughs> um, rather, it, it, it's the simple things that I think really can make us feel fabulous. You know, there was a survey done by this healthcare group, and they asked 2,000 people what brought them happiness. They compiled the top 50 answers, and I'm going to just share a few of those with you. I think it's important for you to hear this. Number one was the feeling of the sun shine on my face. How many of you like that? You know, the, another one was finding a $5 bill in my pocket that I didn't know I had. <laughs> one was the, the smell of fresh baked bread. Oh my goodness, my grandmother used to make this, 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 this homemade bread and it was just delightful. You know, the fourth one was a random act of kindness from a stranger. You know, I, I think I might have told you guys this, but we were sitting in McDonald's one day, Sarah and I and the puppy, and we had ordered. I, I reached in my pocket all I had because I didn't have any money here. You know, it was all off my bank and, and, and Coca Station, but I had $6 to my name. And I, we came up and we ordered two um, ice cream cones and... We had to get something for the puppy. We got a pup cup for him. And it came to like five something. And I said, we have enough money here. We can do this. You know, we might even be able to get sprinkles on it if we, if we ask, you know, who knows? And, and so, and so we pull up to the, to the, to the window and the lady brings out the, the ice cream to us and she says, Oh, don't worry about it. The guy in front of you paid for yours. And I go, wow. You know, what a, what a great thing, you know, and I wanted to re, to catch up to him and say thank you for that. But, you know, to, to have a, to have a, a, a random act of kindness from a stranger. What about the fifth one here? Snuggling on the couch with your spouse. Now, some of you, that might just really turn you off, but I don't know. I, I like that snuggling on the couch, you know, binge watching something, you know, finding a good bargain at a store, finding a good bargain, you know, uh, number seven is freshly brewed coffee in the morning. Of course, at Bonnie, it would be Pepsi, you know, because <laughs> she loves Pepsi in the morning. Uh, waking up before the alarm and realizing that you have a few more minutes or maybe an hour or two to, to sleep. Woo! I woke up around three o'clock this morning and realized, hey, I have like two and a half hours yet to sleep. And then I woke up at five and thought, Hey, I have 30 more minutes to sleep, you know. What about seeing a rainbow? Um, another one is laughing so hard that it hurts. Number 11, one of my favorites, popping bubble wrap. <laughs> I love doing that. I love popping bubble wrap. How many of you? What about watching, watching your, your breath float away? Because of the cold air, and then all of a sudden hearing the crunching of the grass and the leaves and the branches as that monster buck walks towards you as you're in your tree stand. Wow. Number 13. Actually, I I added the monster buck in there, you know. (laughs) Number 13, dancing like no one's watching. How many of you have ever done dancing like no one's watching, man? You don't want to see that with me. I will add also warm chocolate chip cookies and milk or hot chocolate. What about a hot shower on a cold day? 
What about binge watching your favorite TV show on Prime or Netflix like Virgin River or Obi-Wan Kenobi? I'm almost through with Obi-Wan Kenobi, guys, and it is really good. And you know what? The list could go on with so many different things that, that can bring happiness to us, not money or power or fame. You know, and there are so many little things that, that, that bring such happiness and joy to our hearts. But if our, our happiness depends solely on these sort of things, then what happens when the sun is hidden by the gray clouds, which this past week was quite a bit? You know, what happens when your pockets are empty and you don't have any money in your pockets? What about when the coffee just isn't as good or the, pe- the Pepsi is flat or the kids are screaming instead of laughing? You know, often our joy disappears and disappointment and discontentment set in on us. Not surprising, the Bible has a lot to say about happiness. You know, it it speaks of unbelievable joy as a fruit of God's Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Welling up in the life of a believer, you know, joy that that runs deeper and, and stronger because it is anchored not in our circumstances or our successes but in the love of God and in the person of Jesus Christ, happiness is the Lord. That might be a little kid song, but happiness is the Lord. You know, the Apostle Paul had a lot to say about that kind of joy. In his letter to the Philippians, you know, he often, the, the book of Philippians is often called the epistle of joy. And the Philippian believers enjoyed this, I would say, this special relationship with Paul. And so he wrote them this personal letter expressing his joy and emphasizing the real joy of the Christian life. Did you know that the words joy or rejoice appear no less than 16 times, 16 times in this short chapter, the four chapters there? And the pages, I believe they radiate with this positive message culminating in Paul's exhortation in, in Philippians 4.4 4, where he says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and I will say it again, rejoice. That's what he tells us. So what makes Paul's words even more profound, I believe, is that he wrote this letter to the Philippian people while he was chained to a Roman prison guard awaiting a trial and possible execution. Yet, the dominant theme of his letter is joy. So, how many of you here today could use some more joy in your life? Okay, some of you you are not raising your hand, but that's okay. That's all right. I know I could, and I know that a lot of people could. So over the next four weeks, we're going to see what Paul has to say to us from the book of Philippians, and and we will see what we can learn about experiencing joy in the midst of our messy and mixed-up world because a lot of us live in a messy and mixed-up world. And maybe some of our own worlds are messy and mixed up. 
So in the first chapter of Philippians, I want to share with you three lessons that, that, that I've learned that I want to share with you this morning that Paul writes about experiencing joy. And the first one is this. Paul tells us, or Paul reminds us, to focus on partnerships. He tells us to focus on partnerships. You know, and like I said earlier, Paul, he had a special relationship with these people at the, the church of Philippi. You know, he highlights that relationship in chapter 1. And listen to what he had to say. I'm going to start with chapter 1. I'm going to look at verses 1 through through 6 here. Here's what he says. He says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Are you not able to get it up on the screen? Okay. Okay. So if you want to follow it in your Bibles, you know, we can't do the Bible thing. You know, that is that is a good thing to do. Okay. So look at Philippians chapter 1. Paul, it says, beginning with verse 1 there, it says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, I thank my God every time I remember you in all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. You know, this is the first appearance of the word joy in the letter. He says, I always pray for you with joy. Think of someone that you always pray about and, and you pray with joy. That's what Paul is doing. He says, I always pray with joy. You know, just the thought of their friendship kind of stirred feelings of thankfulness and joy in, in Paul's heart. And so he remembered them in his prayers with joy because they partnered together. They partnered together in sharing the gospel and building God's church. That's what they did. And even though he was miles away and, and, and wrongfully imprisoned, he felt joyful because he knew there were people who loved him and cared for him. And so later Paul mentions the care packages that they had sent him. These people were extremely close to him. They were partners with him in the gospel. Partnerships, relationships can be a tremendous source of joy. In fact, positive psychology guru Martin Sigelman studied happiness, and found several characteristics common to happy people. Guess what he discovered as the number one on the list of happy people. Happy people spend time with others and spend the least amount of time alone. That's what they do. Friendships and meaningful relationships Bring them joy. That's what he tells us. On the other hand, loneliness is one of the biggest barriers to joy. You know, there are more than 350 million of us in the United States, and sometimes it seems like we're all friends on Facebook. And I want to tell you, sometimes Facebook isn't a good thing because it makes you look at those things and say, wow, why am, why am I not like that? 
Why am I not going to go on a vacation? Why am I not happy all the time? But the sad truth is that Americans are lonelier than ever. Surveys show that one out of four people feel lonely at any given moment. Of Americans who ate dinner last night, of Americans who ate dinner last night, more than 22% of those people ate dinner alone. Loneliness affects all of us, children, teenagers, college students, married couples, mothers, fathers, but especially senior citizens. Especially at Christmas time. Listen to what this newspaper ad that highlights just how lonely people can be said. I, I found this, this is pretty interesting. This ad ran in a Kansas City newspaper in, in the personal ads saying this. This is what it said. I will listen to you talk for 30 minutes without comment for $5. That's what it said. That sounds like a joke, doesn't it? But but the ad was serious. Did anybody call? <laughs> you bet they did. It wasn't long before this individual was receiving 10 to 20 calls a day. For you see, the pain of loneliness was so sharp that some were willing to try anything for a half hour of companionship. I believe that people long to connect and to enjoy meaningful relationships. I believe that. I think that is why God gave us the church. We don't know if the Apostle Paul was ever married or if he was widowed. We do know that he had no children, although he refers to Timothy as his spiritual son in the faith. But no matter where he was, he had a church family that brought him great joy. And, and he loved that church family. And I think there are two lessons that we can learn from him, from this, from this thought here. The first is this. Whenever loneliness starts to steal our joy, what we need to do is we need to focus on partnerships by reaching out to someone in our church family and connecting with them in some kind of meaningful way to connect with them but secondly, we can be on the lookout for people that might be susceptible to loneliness. So we can be reaching out, but we can also be looking for people that we can touch. You know, you don't have to be in a Roman prison to be vulnerable to loneliness. There may be people here this morning feeling isolated and alone, but we can bring a little joy into their lives by connecting with them in meaningful ways. That's why it's so important to be able to visit those who are shut in, to be able to visit those who are in the hospital. And it's not just the preacher's job to do that. It's everybody's ministry to be able to reach out. I have heard so many comments so many wonderful comments about the card ministry that we have here. And for you ladies who send those cards out, it means a lot to people. And you never know who might be on the verge of ending it all and they get a card from you and they realize someone actually does care about me. That's a ministry. That's important. So the first key to genuine joy is to focus on partnerships. But furthermore, 
Paul shows us that we can experience joy by focusing on the positive. Do you know those people who every time you see them, they look like they just drank a jar of pickle juice? You know those people. Well, Paul continues to say this. Notice what he says, beginning with verse 7. And I'm going to go down to verse 18. He says, It is right for me to feel this way about all of you, since I have you in my heart. For whether I'm in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the, to the glory and praise of God. Now I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He goes on to say, as a, as a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. Because of my chains, most of the brothers in the Lord have been encouraged to speak the word of God more courageously and fearlessly. He says this, he says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? You notice what he says? He says, but what does it matter? He says, the important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached And because of this, I rejoice. I am happy. Here's the situation. For 24 hours a day, Paul is chained to Roman soldiers. Each of those Roman soldiers serves a six-hour shift. So every six hours, a new soldier comes in and and chains himself to the Apostle Paul. You know, ensuring that the prisoner isn't going to escape. That's the way they did it. But, but Paul saw this as a wonderful opportunity to tell other soldiers about Jesus Christ. And we know that the Philippian jailer was won over to the Lord because of Paul's ministry and his whole family were changed. There was no way that the soldier could escape. That's what it was all about. You know, Paul, who was really the prisoner there? <laughs> there was no way that the, that the soldier could escape. And, and some of these guys actually ended up accepting Jesus and, and it changed their whole lives. And as a result, the believers in town could preach the gospel openly without fearing the Roman soldiers. That's what he says to us there. But then there was another problem. For you see, some of those preachers were just doing it to make a name for themselves. They, they wanted an audience for themselves. But again, Paul says, hey, look at the bright side, guys. Either way, Jesus is being preached. So I'm happy about that. 
I believe that Paul was the ultimate optimist. You know, he found reasons to rejoice where many of us have found reasons to complain. You know, that, that, that same study I mentioned earlier by Martin Sigelman also found that no matter what happens, happy people, they stay optimistic. You know, they look at the glasses half full versus half empty. You know, there was a story told about a young lady. Her name was Kate. And she was driving with her dad when he showed her what it really means to look at the bright side of things. They were driving along when all of a sudden she ran over something and she heard that familiar thump, 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 you know, (laughs) and the tire was flat. And Kate's face, it just sank, but her father's face lit up and said, oh, good. He said, I've been meaning to teach you how to change a flat tire and now this is the perfect opportunity. And so he, he taught her how to change a flat tire. Did Kate want to do that? Probably not. But what a great opportunity. You know, that's, that's one of the most positive reactions to car trouble that I think I've ever heard. But it's also a perfect example of how much power we have over our point of view. You know, happiness isn't really about the situation we find ourselves in, but about how we see our situation. It's all about our motives. It's all about how we see things sometimes. Our perspective is everything. No matter how rough a day we have or how hard a year it's been, there's always a different way to look at it. You know, there was a couple good old boys who heard that the wildlife organization was offering a $5,000 bounty for each wolf that they could capture alive. And so Sam and Jed started hunting wolves. You know, they spent a week in the woods scouring the forest and the mountains, but they had no luck. So one night they were so exhausted that they actually fell asleep in the woods. And I guess they were dreaming about all the money that they were going to make. When all of a sudden, Sam woke up and he looks around him and he is completely surrounded by 50 hungry wolves. And he leans over and he jabs his friend Jed in the side and he says, Jed, wake up. We're rich. We're rich. We're going to be rich. You know, (laughs) you know, it. If you want to experience more joy, then you need to focus on the positive. Look at the bright side of things. Look at the silver lining. You know, there is good news if you choose to find it. Yes, your car broke down, but the good news is you had a cell phone to call for a tow. You know, you had the flu, but yes, you know, the good news is it's the perfect excuse to binge watch your favorite TV show on Netflix, Virgin River. You know, or, 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 you know, um, Obi-Wan Kenobi or, or whatever you want to watch, you know, it's the perfect time. It's the perfect time. Sometimes you might have to dig a little to find the good news, but the point is so much of your happiness is in your hands. It's in your hands. But let me stop here for a second. 
I want to talk for a moment about complaining. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verse 14, do everything without complaining. That's what he tells us. So don't complain. Granted, you can't keep other people from complaining. And that might put a damper on your happiness. But you can keep yourself from complaining. And that will help you to be happy. Complaining can drive you crazy, whether it's you doing it or someone else doing it. But you can't control what other people do. But you can control what you do. You know, if it's a friend that's making you miserable by complaining, well, you know what? You may have to limit your time with them or try to get them to snap out of it. And, and, and sometimes you got to be honest with them. Sometimes. All the time. But when it's all said and done, the only person you can actually stop from complaining is yourself. So let's focus on that. Just focus on that. Would you be happy? Then quit your complaining. If you're not a complainer, then don't start. Don't start. You know, you've got a good thing going and it, it is contributing to you being more happy, having a happy demeanor for yourself. You know, no one wants to rub your corns for a, uh, on your feet for a nickel. So don't make them. Don't make them. You know, King David says that people that existed in an atmosphere that's absent of complaining are happy people. He says in Psalm 144, verse 15, he says, Happy is that people that is in such a case. Yea, he says, happy is that people whose God is the Lord. Paul could have seen his chains as a problem. He could have chosen to see them you know, and complain about them. But instead what he does is he, he looks at his chains that are on his arms and his feet and he looks at them as an opportunity. You know, he could have complained about money-grubbing preachers. Instead, he rejoiced because Christ was being preached. You know, I think what it does, is it just takes seeing your situation from a brighter, more positive perspective. And remember, happiness True happiness for you is in your hands. It's in your hands. So focus on partnerships and focus on the positive. But finally, Paul shows us that joy can be experienced by focusing on your purpose. Your purpose. Paul reminds us to focus on our purpose. You know, there's a story involving Yogi Berra. Anybody remember Yogi Berra? Okay. He was a well-known catcher for the New York Yankees. And Hank Aaron, who at the time was the chief power hitter for the Milwaukee Braves. Maybe you remember this. The, the teams were playing each other in the World Series. The New York Yankees and the Milwaukee Braves were playing each other in the World Series. And as usual, Yogi was keeping up his ceaseless chatter. I guess they said... You know, people that knew him said that he never shut up. You know, he, he intended to, to pep up his teammates on one hand, but to distract the Milwaukee batters on the other hand. And so Hank Aaron comes to the plate and Yogi Bear tries to distract him by saying, Henry, uh, 
you're holding the bat wrong. Can you imagine him saying that? You're supposed to hold it so that you can read the trademark. Aaron, Hank Aaron didn't say a word, didn't say anything. But when the next pitch came, he hit it into the left field bleachers. And after rounding the bases and tagging up at home plate, Aaron looked at Yogi Berra and he said something really great. He looked at him and he said, I didn't come here to read. What a great statement. I didn't come here to read. And the Milwaukee Braves beat the New York Yankees in the 1958 World Series, four games to three. Hank Aaron had a purpose and he stayed focused no matter what Yogi Berra had to say to him. Well, you know what? Paul did too. And here's what he had to write. Look at verses 19 through 26. He said, For I know that through your prayers and the help given by the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body. Notice what he's saying there. Here's his purpose, that Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. How many know how Paul died? How did he die? He was beheaded. Peter's the one that died upside down. Peter was crucified upside down. Paul was beheaded. So he's saying here, he's saying here, you know, whether by life or by death. And he goes on to say, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and and joy in the faith so that through my being with you, your joy in Christ Jesus will overflow on account of me. You know, Paul, Paul knew. Paul had a clear sense of his purpose in life. You know, Jesus was everything to him. You know, as such, he had, he had a mission. Paul had a mission to accomplish. You know, he, he wanted to, to see the Philippians grow in their faith and have, have joy and have that happiness. And that purpose brought him great joy. You know, it was the, the Nobel Prize winning playwright, uh, George Barn, or George Bernard Shaw, who, who once said this, and I, I think it's really interesting what he had to say here. He says, this is the true joy in life. Here's what he said. Being used for a purpose recognized by yourself as a mighty one, being thoroughly worn out before you are thrown on the scrap heap, and being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances, <laughs> complaining that the world will de- will not devote itself to making you happy. And you know what? He's right. You know, there there is great joy in being used for a mighty purpose, for being used by God in a mighty way. 
in Christ, we all have a purpose in life. We all have a purpose. And that purpose may manifest itself in different ways for each one of us. You know, it may result in, a, in, in different careers, you know, but it comes down to living for Jesus Christ. That's what it comes down to. And it reminds me of that acronym, the word joy. Jesus, others, yourself. The word joy. You know, if you keep it in that order, I believe that your life is going to overflow with joy. So where is joy found? Where is joy found? Here's what it says. Where is joy found? Well, not in unbelief. Voltaire was an infidel of the most profound type. And he wrote, I wish I had never been born. So where is joy found? Not in pleasure. Lord Byron lived a a life of pleasure, if anyone did. And he wrote, the worm and the canker and, and, and grief are mine alone. So where is joy found? Not in money. Jay Gould, he, he was an American millionaire, had plenty of that. And when dying, he said, I am, I suppose I am the most miserable man on earth. So where is joy found? Well, not in position or fame. Lord Beaconsfield enjoyed more than his share of both of those. And he wrote, youth is a mistake. Manhood is a struggle and old age is a regret. <laughs> so where is joy found? Well, not in military glory, because Alexander the Great conquered all the known world in his day. And having done so, he went back to his tent and he started to weep. And he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. So where is real joy found? Well, the answer is extremely simple. In Christ alone. In Christ alone. You know, I am so grateful for Paul's epistle to the to Paul's epistle to the Philippians, to to Philippi, that epistle of joy. You know, and I don't know if if your life has been joyful or joyless lately, but one thing I do know is that joy and happiness are a choice. We choose them. And regardless of your situation or your circumstances, regardless, you can choose to focus on partnerships. You can choose to focus on the positive, And you can choose to focus on your purpose. So this week, a little homework for you. I want to encourage you to choose joy and remember this. Don't worry. Be happy. Don't worry, be happy, mom. Don't worry, be happy.